What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Internal Budget, the newest Ottawa Senators podcast on the World Wide Web. And hey, episode three, we made it this far. I haven't said something stupid and gotten myself canceled yet, so kudos to me for that one, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time. As always, I'm Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com and long-suffering fan of the Ottawa Senators. Guys, it's Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl just wrapped up. We're recording this at about 11.30 on Sunday night now. Do I have to get up super early for work tomorrow morning? Yes. Should I be going to bed right now? Yes. Am I going to be pissed at myself when I'm dog-tired in the morning? Also yes. But are we going to sit here, record this podcast edit it, and get it posted for you fine folks to listen to on your Monday morning? Yes, I do believe we are. Uh, If you didn't catch the big game, why the hell not, but it was a really good one. You'll have to excuse me, my voice is a little hoarse from freaking out a couple times. But uh, Kansas City Chiefs took it 24-20, or sorry, 32-20 I think it ended up being, over the San Francisco 49ers. Andy Reid finally getting his first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes with a great performance as always. Really fun one to watch. Um, maybe not as exciting as other Super Bowls to the layman, but me as a big football fan, uh, football's been a big part of my life. I loved it, appreciated every aspect of it. Couldn't really ask for a better Super Bowl than that. Uh, one other note before we get started here. Uh, yesterday, I was on the Unparalleled Success podcast with Ryan Woods. You can find that one on SoundCloud. It was a lot of fun. Ryan's a great guy, super knowledgeable, and super passionate about the Ottawa Senators. You should definitely check it out again on SoundCloud. It is the Unparalleled Success podcast. It was episode five. I had the honor of being on episode CC. Great. So, I gotta stop saying so, as my father keeps telling me. With all that said, let's kick things off with episode three of Internal Budget. There was a week that just happened. And it just so happened to be a week that also happened for the Ottawa Senators. They played four games this week, uh, starting on Monday night. A 4-3 shootout loss to the New Jersey Devils. Tough one there. Jack Hughes scoring the winner in the shootout. Marcus Hogberg was phenomenal, as he has so often been. And the highlight of the night was actually probably a fight between Brady Kachuk and P.K. Subban. Brady getting the better of PK in this one. I love PK. It's hard not to just with his personality off the ice, but I still do hold that slash against Mark Stone against him. So, And Brady did win the fight, so paying rent to his landlord one more time. Again, that was probably about four so's right there. Sorry, Craig. I'm trying. Tuesday night. Back-to-back, as usual. Another back-to-back for the Ottawa Senators. It was a 5-2 win in Buffalo. A really, really good performance from the Sens here. Sabres were well-rested. It was their first game after the All-Star break, but it looked like they came out of the gate a little rusty, and Ottawa just took it to them. Mark Borowiecki, a beast, took a nasty slew foot in the third period. Looked like his night was done, and honestly looked like it might be the sign of a a more long-term injury, but he ended up coming back and scoring the empty netter to give the Sens a big win over the Sabres. Friday night... Uh, Ottawa had the 
Tremendous opportunity to play the Washington Capitals on home ice. Capitals being probably the best overall team in the league right now. It showed. Ottawa lost 5-3. It should not have even been that close. Alex Ovechkin scored two goals past Marc Messier uh, for eighth all-time in total goals scored. Congratulations to him. It's awesome to see. I really hope he breaks Wayne Gretzky's record. He's the greatest goal goal scorer that we've seen in our lifetimes, I think. So really, really hoping he can get that marker and cement his legacy. And again, another back-to-back. What a surprise. The team that seems to always be near the top of the league in back-to-backs, the Sens, they had another one, two in one week. Nothing weird about that whatsoever. So in this one, they were in Toronto on Saturday night taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, They played a decent overall game, especially considering they had just played the night before. Ultimately, they fell 2-1 to in overtime with the Leafs needing a power play to put Ottawa away. And once again, I have to change my profile picture until Wednesday. I hate you, Dakota Vine. I lost another bet. Now my profile picture on Twitter is Brian McCabe until Wednesday. Great. Uh, Ottawa could have easily won. Um, I know I have a reputation for bagging on the Leafs, but I really don't think anybody should be fearing them going into the playoffs. If you struggled to beat the third worst team in the league with their backup goalie in net a night after they played the best team in hockey and you need a power play in overtime to do it, I don't like your chances going against a team like the Bruins in the playoffs, but I digress. So let's jump in to the big events that happened this week. Um, Ottawa, I think, scraped together just a little over 9,000 fans to their Monday night game against the Devils. It was well documented by members of the hockey media. I'm going to try not to belabor this point, excuse me, because it has been addressed many times. I actually addressed it in a piece this week for Silver7Sends.com entitled Ignore, uh, Stop Ignoring the Elephant. Essentially, I kind of criticized hockey media for always mentioning that Ottawa's attendance is bad, but never outright stating that it's Melnick's fault. Ken Campbell from the Hockey News even went so far as to say the reason rhymes with Mujin Belnick. Like, just say his name. Dude, come on. I mean, what are we doing here? We know Ottawa's attendance sucks. The fans know it sucks. Even the fans that are boycotting it know it sucks. And there's a reason. There's a really good reason why it sucks. Everyone who pays attention knows that Eugene Melnick is the reason the Sens' attendance is down. You can prove it statistically. I did in the article. I had I had the Sens' attendance met, uh, statistics for the last roughly 10 years or so. And it went down, started going down right after Alfredson left and really spiked low when Carlson was traded and Stone was traded and Duchesne was traded. The problem is not everyone knows that it's Eugene Melnick's fault. There are, there's a large contingent of people out there who honestly, truly believe that the problem lies with Ottawa Senators fans. And I have a really, really hard time stomaching that because I've grown up in this fan base. 
This is who I am. It's a huge part of my life. And I know for a fact that this is one of the most passionate fan bases in hockey. I went to game four against the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2013. It ended up being Alfredson's last home game in Ottawa. I watched him pick up the puck at the end of the, at the, end of the game. They lost 7-3. Went down 3-1 in the series going back to Pittsburgh. Even Alfredson after the game said they probably weren't going to come back. But as I was walking through the halls of then Scotiabank Place, at the end of the game, it wasn't silent. I didn't hear anybody pissing and moaning. There's a group of people chanting sends in seven. And the more they chanted it, the more people joined in. I myself joined in. It was great. Did we all think that was going to happen? As Alfie said, probably not. But we believed. So for, the, for especially the hockey media to allow this notion to exist, that there's a fan problem in Ottawa, that there's an apathy towards the Senators in Ottawa, I'm tired of it. It pisses me off. They have a responsibility to dispel this narrative and direct their criticisms toward Eugene Melnick, and I get it. There's corporate obligations. There's red tape. You can't just lambaste the guy every time. I, I understand that there's politics at play here. I'm not saying you have to constantly go after him and make every piece and every tweet, every podcast, every radio hit about bashing Eugene Melnick. But for God's sake, how are we still allowing people to be unaware about this? Why are there still people on Twitter saying, move the Ottawa Senators to Quebec? Because they think the fans don't care. You can't be half-assed if you're going to criticize Melnick. You can't be half-in. Because every time you're not, this pressure is going to keep being put on Ottawa Senators fans. And I don't think anything meaningful is going to happen because of it. I don't think the team is going to move. But I know that Sens fans are tired of this, and they shouldn't have to deal with this crap. They should not have to hear this from people. Like Dark Guy tweeting about how the Sens should move to Quebec. Are you kidding me? What a joke. What an absolute joke. Say what you will about the guy, but he's got a decent following. And there's going to be plenty of people that because, that because he said that, they think it too. And they start spouting it. And they start spouting off at Sens fans who have to fight this off on Twitter now. It's wrong. And I'm not labeling everybody this way because there's a lot of good people in hockey media. Especially in Ottawa, there's a, I know for a fact there's a few people who have been honest about the organization. Guys like Ian Mendez, Chris Stevenson, Ray Ferraro. Most people at TSN, frankly, have been great. But I'm tired of this. I'm tired of hearing that the people I love these people that I've grown up with are bad fans. Hell, when Ovechkin scored his second goal and took sole possession of eighth place on the all-time scoring list, the Sens fans chanted Ovi. Do you think that would happen in Montreal or Toronto? Supposedly the holy grails of hockey fanship, hockey fandom? I don't think so. So hockey media, do better. 
Because Sens fans don't deserve this. And they shouldn't have to pay their hard-earned money and go to a game and line the pockets of an owner who has made it clear multiple times that he doesn't care about them. That's wrong. And that's all I have to say about that. I've talked about this a lot. It's exhausting. Moving on, Anthony Duclair, our budding all-star, has now gone 14 games without a goal. That's tough. That's a tough stat to look at. But he hasn't totally disappeared. It's not like he's invisible out there. Over the last four games, he had 14 shots. He's playing really well. He's getting opportunities, especially against the Leafs. He had some golden opportunities, a breakaway or two that just didn't bounce his way. It's coming, but there is a problem here. And the problem's not Anthony Duclair. It's not his effort level. It's not his skill level. It's nothing like that. It's his deployment. Sean Tierney runs a website called chartinghockey.ca. You should definitely check it out. He does some really good work with analytics. So he charted the Sens lines combinations and their effectiveness. In terms of expected goals for, this line of Duclair, Tierney, and Nemesnikov ranked dead last. And it was by far. No other combination was even close. The most effective combinations were mostly some combination of Duclair and Kachuk whether it was playing with Pajot or Logan Brown. Why is this line still together? I I don't want to be too hard on DJ Smith because I really like the job he's done this year. I think he's done an excellent job with this young group of senators, and he's done a good job getting kids playing time. But there's no chemistry here. These guys don't fit each other's games. Anthony Duclair is an offensive-minded player. He should be treated as such. I know he can kill penalties, but to ask him to be a two-way forward, I don't like that. His bread and butter is scoring goals. Let him do it. So you when you deploy him with these two-way guys that struggle to produce too much offensively, it doesn't make sense to me. Tierney scored some goals lately, Nemestikov's made some nice plays. But Anthony Duclair proved this year, especially through November and December, that he's a high-end offensive talent. So why aren't you playing him with your high-end offensive guys? Why isn't he getting those minutes with Kachuk, who generates the most offense on the team, some of the most offense in the league? Duclair will score a lot of goals with Brady Kachuk because Brady Kachuk is always creating opportunities for himself and for his teammates. You play him on these higher combinations, you get him more time with Thomas Shabbat, probably the best passer on the team. You got to get him going. In order to do that, you got to get him off this line that he's just anchored on. At the beginning, I think it was because Duclair was still hot at this point. I think it was to get Tyranny and Nemesnikov going, which makes sense because those have been guys that have struggled to produce consistently. My problems with Tyranny are well documented. Love the guy. I think he's a really solid player, but his bouts of inconsistency frustrate the hell out of me. So now, now that you've tried this, now that you've tried to use Duclair to get these two guys going, at what point do you prioritize him? 
at what point do you prioritize Anthony Duclair and his development? Because he's going to be the guy that's scoring goals here long term. It's not going to be Tierney or Nemestikov. That's going to be a high-end offensive talent for Ottawa in the future. It's Duclair. And he's shown you. You know he can produce if you put him with better teammates. With Brady Kachuk, with Pajot, with Connor Brown. Give him guys that can get him high percentage opportunities, and he will find the back of the net. And the crazy thing is he's still getting a ton of chances now on this line. So imagine how much more he's going to get if you put him with a better group of guys. In my opinion, and I'd love to hear what you guys think of this, I would put him with Colin White and Drake Batherson. Bump Ennis down to that third line. White and Batherson have looked really good lately. They're both generating offense. Batherson's getting some points. You have White for the kind of that two-way game. Batherson's a really nice passer. He's going to hit Duclair on those cross-ice stretch passes. Duclair fits like a glove on that line. And that way you can keep your top line of Kachuk, Pajot, and Brown together because I know Smith likes those guys, and rightfully so. They're a pretty good possession line. But give this a shot. Throw the young kids together. I know you kind of worry about the problems in your own end. Batherson hasn't been great in his own end. We'll talk about that a little more later. Duclair isn't the most solid in his own end. But at this point, take the offense. Let these guys score some goals. It'll get White going too. He's kind of slowly starting to find his form again. So put him with Duclair. Get him some assists. And things will really kick off, I think. I worry about Duclair's confidence going 14 games without a goal. He's got to get one soon. So give him the best opportunity to do it. And speaking of young players, how about Belleville? This is something I just want to touch on really quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on Belleville because this is an Ottawa Senators podcast after all. Excuse me, having a little sip of the bubbly. Sparkling water, not champagne. This stuff's really good. I'm getting off topic, but uh, it's got those Michael Buble commercials. So the girlfriend and I always call it Buble. I don't think we've ever referred to it as bubbly. Really good. Often on sale, too. In any case, so on Saturday night, while the Sens were losing a tough one to the Leafs, Belleville found themselves down 4-1 against Laval. And within the last six minutes of regulation time, Logan Brown, Josh Norris, and Rudy Balser scored to tie the game. And wouldn't you know it, Jordan Murray won it in overtime. So Belleville completed the 4-1 comeback to win 5-4 in OT. And I tell you, man, that makes me excited for the future. I really think that bodes well. These kids are resilient. They're playing with so much confidence. To be down 4-1 in a game and to have the mental toughness to stick in it, stay in it, and come back and win on the road, that's huge. That's huge for a young group. And the best part about it is this is the kind of development that you get in the AHL. And it carries over to the next level. Look, Ottawa ain't going to make any 4-1 comeback anytime soon. I just hate to break it to everybody. They don't have the horses. 
So if these kids are going to learn how to do that, it's going to be in Belleville. And that's, I think, the best argument for keeping a lot of them down there. They get to feel what it's like to be on a competitive team instead of just getting caved in and pumped every night like they would in Ottawa. Especially for guys like Logan Brown, whose effort level has been called into question a lot. To see him competing for a full 60, that's huge. That's great. Kudos to the Belleville Senators. That is awesome. It makes me really excited for the future. If these kids are doing this now, just imagine what they can do when they get to the next level. And one thing I want to do, I want to start every week, is taking questions from you guys. Um, I post them on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Internal Budget. And uh, so I put the call out, and you guys came through with some good po- topics that you wanted me to address. Uh, this one comes from Macker on the Rock. What are some of the sleeper bottom six UFAs that the Sens should consider moving forward as part of the rebuild? Um, assuming he means on the open market. This is kind of a tough one because I doubt Ottawa is going to spend too much money this summer. I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Alex Galchenyuk get a shot in Ottawa for the right price tag. I think they could probably get him for a decent deal, but we'll see. Uh, especially if they trade Pajot. He might be a good guy to have around even just for a couple years. Tyler Toffoli is 28 years old. I like him a lot on the right wing. He's got some serious offensive upside. Addresses a need on the right side too. That way you don't have to have Duclair playing his off wing. Um, Gives Batherson a little breathing room too uh, within the top six. So Toffoli I wouldn't mind. Again, this is all price dependent. They are going to have to make some contract decisions in the coming years. So you got to think long term. Another guy that I don't see Ottawa picking up but wouldn't be so opposed to is Brendan Dillon. Uh, they do kind of have a log jam on the left side. You got Shabbat, you got Lillanen. They want Brandstrom playing, playing the left side, even though he's more comfortable on the right for some reason. And you got Ron Hainsey. I don't know what's going to be happening with him next year. But Dylan's a solid guy to have in your top four, especially going forward. I wouldn't mind seeing Shabbat, Dylan, Lillanen on the left side and playing Brandstrom on the right, maybe with... JBD and Lassie at some point. Um, But like I said, I don't think that one will happen, but he'd be a good fit in Ottawa. He kind of reminds me of that Mark Mathod-style player. Um, Next one comes from Chris Boutillier. Um, What about the fact that some of the current prospects should be turned into trade assets? With the amount of guys in Belleville and the amount of high picks coming up, there's not going to be room for all... Who do you keep? Who becomes trade bait? I like this one. That's an interesting one. I do think Ottawa has more than a few guys that kind of fit that mold. Um, Philip Schlopik, Christian Yarosh, those are guys that I'm not desperately holding on to long term. I don't think their ceilings are the highest. I love them both. If they both end up staying in Ottawa and making an impact, great. But I see Schlopik as kind of having a ceiling of that third line player and Yarosh. Uh, I think him playing outside of the bottom pairing on any competitive team is a stretch. But we'll see what happens. Uh, those are those would be two guys that come to mind for me as guys that you could move on without. Uh, this one from Ryan, the namer of Belleville Beast of the Week. 
Maybe touch on Batherson's play this week. IMO, he's all over the offensive and neutral zone, and he's getting on the score sheet here and there, but calling it what it is, he's been really bad on his own end, especially last night. Yeah, hard to argue that. I really like Batherson. I think his offensive game has been phenomenal. He's showing some serious confidence. He pulled a spinorama on the power play going over the blue line in overtime. He looks like a guy who is comfortable playing in the NHL, knows he belongs there. Um, he's doing some really nice things in the neutral and offensive zone. Defensive zone, he does have to get a little more sound, and that's going to come with age, right? Like, we're not expecting this kid to be Mark Stone in his first, I guess, extended stint in the NHL. He's winning puck battles. Uh, he's just got to get a little less panicky in his own end, just play his position a little more soundly, and like I said, he'll get there. I'm really not stressed about Batherson's play in his own end at all. And this one from Axe Matty. <laughs> Shout out to Maddie. Uh, iced coffee top tens. Damn it. Um, I had to answer this one. Anyone who knows me knows I love my iced coffee. I don't know if I've even had 10 different kinds of iced coffee in my life. So, um, hmm. I'll just rattle off some of the ones I like. Um, I got to give it to Starbucks. Um, they make some damn good iced coffee. The girlfriend's a barista, her especially. She's phenomenal. Makes me some really good iced coffee. They had this Irish cream cold brew over Christmas, the, over the holiday season. That was just, oh, chef kiss. Um, I wish they still had it. I think they do in some locations, but I got to try to track it down. So Starbucks is up there. Second Cup um, has been my go-to lately just because of proximity to my apartment. They got different kinds. I really like it there as well. Um, hmm. Timmy's, no. Timmy's, I wouldn't even drink in a pinch. It's just awful. It's just stale coffee. I remember I went to Tim Hortons one time. I ordered an iced coffee. Uh, and uh, the guy hands me a cup of, not even cold, lukewarm coffee. There's no ice in it. And... I, I work in customer service, so I try not to be too hard on people. But I kind of took it to him, and I was like, look, man, this is a joke. And we both kind of laughed about it, and he put some ice in my coffee. But, I mean, that was the last time I've had Timmy's iced coffee. Not really looking to get it again. Uh, homemade iced coffee is really good. I bought the girlfriend a cold brew coffee maker for Christmas. Uh, that's been an investment that has paid off time and time again. One little underrated spot here in Toronto is the almond butterfly it's got a couple locations it's a cool little vegan kind of cafe they have some really good vegan baked goods good goods good god brandon english major here their vegan uh food is delicious uh, i'm not a vegan personally but some of the baking they make is just it's oh it's spectacular their coffee's pretty good too one thing I wish, they didn't they don't give you big enough cups, right? So their serving sizes are kind of small. I don't love that as much. And they do the paper straw thing. I get it. Save the environment, save the turtles, but I hate paper straws. They fall apart within two minutes, especially when in the summer when it's hot outside. There's got to be a better way. Uh, so if I had to go with my favorite, I think I'm obligated to go Starbucks. <laughs> but uh, But there are some little sleeper spots here in Toronto that I really do like. Um, sorry for not doing the whole top 10 thing, but my podcast. So let's wrap things up this week with our Belleville Beast of the Week. Somebody's going to make me a jingle for this. I need a little entrance theme song into this segment because it just going into it cold feels kind of weird. In any case, 
our Belleville Beast of the Week. It is another Belleville player because, of course, it is. He's having a great season. No goals this week, but six assists in his last three games, including three in the comeback win over Laval. Also assisted on the overtime winner. I see this guy as kind of a second-line player in Ottawa eventually. I think a lot of people see him as more of a third-line kind of guy, but I think with his speed, his skating ability, and the hands that he's shown this season especially, that's one thing that's really blown me away. He's going to be a top six impact player in the future for Ottawa. You guessed it. That guy is Alex Formanton. I am super, super excited about this kid. I have been since Ottawa drafted him. I liked what I saw from him last year, especially in London when he went back and recovered from the injury. I expected him to have a good year this year, probably mainly in Belleville. But uh, I'm interested to see how he looks when he gets a few games in Ottawa, inevitably at the end of the year. He's just been phenomenal on both ends of the ice. His shot has improved. His hands have improved. His skating is wicked as ever, which is insane since he had a pretty major knee injury last year. But Alex Formanton, definitely our Belleville Beast of the Week. And thank you so much for listening to Episode 3 of Internal Budget. I am having an absolute blast doing these. Uh, I'm getting more comfortable with it every week and the positive feedback every week is amazing. So thank you once again. Be sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And hey, you got friends? Share with your friends. Even if they're not Sens fans, let's try to indoctrinate them. Let's turn internal budget into a cult. And like I said, I was going to say something stupid at some point. That was probably it. I've taken it too far. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Internal Budget Podcast. My name is Brandon Mackey. You can find me on Twitter at BrandonMackey6. And you can find the podcast account at Internal Budget. You can also email me at InternalBudgetPod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Guys, have a fantastic week. Enjoy it. Drink some iced coffee. And I will see you next Monday with some more quality, hopefully, Ottawa Senators content.